0: Welcome to The God Culture, a group of independent researchers with no affiliation to any denomination nor organization whatsoever. We read the word and we test it as 1 Thessalonians 5.21 tells us, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We have completely proven out the journey of the lost tribes of Israel, pinpointing from scripture and history exactly where the tribes went after Israel. First, the northern kingdom was taken into Assyria, or what is called modern Kurdistan today. Some stayed there, and the rest took a year and a half journey to the Isles of the East, Tarshish, Ophir, and the Garden of Eden, Philippines. If you haven't seen those videos, of course this may seem foreign to you. But, we assure you, the scripture is abundant, and we prove this out like no one else in modern times. Columbus did this research, and he knew full well that Ophir, Tarshish, the Garden of Eden, and Arsareth, the land of creation, where the lost tribes migrated, was the Philippines. And we cover that and much more back in those videos, not here. The northern kingdom never returned to northern Israel, according to scripture, as all were taken captive and none returned even in the days of Jeremiah, in the days of Messiah, his brother James, or Yaakov, and even in the days of Josephus, who all record that the lost tribes are still lost, at least the ones from the northern kingdom at those points. We have fully proven this to be the case. The northern kingdom was replaced with Assyrians, slash Medes, slash Persians, all the same just references in different eras, which we will cover in great detail in these next videos then the southern kingdom after its return to judea which the same samaritans from persia protested the return of the southern kingdom into judea complaining to their king the king of persia after the days of messiah They were dispersed into Central Africa, essentially. And again, we prove out exactly where, as Isaiah leaves nothing to the imagination. If you thought the Bible only says they were scattered into the four corners of the earth, you were missing much scripture and context. They were scattered, however, from these three regions of their origin, and they still retained Those identities, mostly. For over a year, we have been working on what will be these next eight or so videos, in which we will fully break down the Psalm 83 enemies of Israel, whose scripture says will attack Israel, and we will prove, take over or possess the temple, not to destroy it, but take control of By the end of this video, you will recognize from Scripture exactly who these peoples were, and the next videos will expound on their migrations, proving out whom they really are, even in some cases, all the way until today. Yes, we can do that, and so can you. Why? Because this prophecy is not just for the time in which this event happened, but it fully identifies the synagogue of Satan who hate the true Israel. Many scholars attempt to paint this war in Psalm 83 as a future event, and we will test that too, and we'll see if that makes sense. Frankly, these videos will be among the most groundbreaking videos we have ever published, and we understand the delicate nature of identifying, identifying people groups, as enemies of Israel, we want you to understand that nothing in in these videos is identifying all of any ethnicity, as that would be ridiculous. And we would never go there, nor have we ever really. There are many within these peoples which have no clue and may not even hail from the same bloodlines. Understand that. But their family happened to have migrated and lived in these regions. That does not make them an enemy of Israel. Let's be clear. They haven't a clue and are not part of it. And there are many within each group which would fit that description. However, the Bible goes here for a reason. Messiah himself identifies a synagogue of Satan. And we will prove here in far more detail than we have ever been told. Some may say, is this something I need to know? Of course it is. We are to know our enemies, according to Scripture. And if you don't, especially with this enemy, you will be programmed into doing their bidding in which they wish to bring their messiah into power and let's be clear their messiah is the same one labeled as the beast of revelation not yahusha the only true messiah who already came as bill o'reilly says you are about to enter a no spin zone in which we test scripture with scripture and prove all things. Okay, he doesn't add the ending, but you get the picture. Psalm 83, a song or psalm of Asaph. Keep not thou silence, O God, Yahuwah. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God, for, lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee Have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. Have you ever seen that before? Thy hidden ones? What does it mean? Well, we will vet that translation. Who was Asaph first? He was a musician and worshiper in the temple, a Levite. And this is his prophetic song of a future event that certainly did not happen in the time of David, because he wrote this when David was king. He sees an event in regards especially to the temple, which hadn't even been built yet. Think about that, which we will explain, and this is good stuff that we all must know. But what about this phrase, thy hidden ones? Who are they? Are they angels? Well, there are no men who can attack angels, and you will see these enemies are definitely men. Are his people hidden? Well, at the point of Asaph's writing, no, they aren't. Israel was still unified still. It would split, and the northern kingdom would be taken to Never return until the last days, but this shows no reference to that, especially since the setting for this event is Jerusalem, we will prove centered around the temple, which was not even built yet when he wrote this, especially. And the northern kingdom was not in Judea. The Hebrew word used here for hidden ones is safan. Now, only one time in all of Scripture is it translated hidden once, yet it's used many times. But instead, it means hide, lay up, esteemed, secret places. Now we're talking secret to hide, treasure, treasure or store up to hide, treasure, treasure up to lie hidden, lurk to be hidden, be stored up to hide, hide from Discovery. Now, none of these definitions refer specifically to people, do they? Other than this one time where somehow it's translated hidden ones, actually, extremely oddly in this passage. Because the people of Israel, his people, Yah's people, have already been identified here. So why would they say it twice? They refer to treasures, a secret place. And look at the word which precedes it, thy. Who is thy? Asaph is praying to Yahuwah here. Yahuwah is thy. So this is specifically Yah's secret place or hidden place. Is there anything which fits this description in Israel? Again, it's not people. This is a reference to the temple. Let's prove it further. Yaz Safan means Yah has treasured, Yah has secreted. Now, what is this? Well, the passage already identifies they have taken crafty counsel against thy people, Yah's people, the Yahudin, which is Yah's, never the word Jew, by the way. So people are already covered here, and it's not repeating itself. And consulted against thy hidden wants. Now, this phrase is not thy hidden wants. It's what Yah has treasured and secreted. His holy of holies in... The tabernacle, as this is being written, and the coming temple, which everyone knows will be built by Solomon. That is what this references. This is confirmed, by the way, later in this same passage. Now we're going to skip to verse 9, but don't worry, we're coming back to the other verses because they are the big ones that tell us exactly where the enemies come from and who they are. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kisan, which perished at Endor. By the way, ever wonder where Star Wars got the planet Endor from? Hmm. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their princes as Zeba, and as Zamuna, who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Now, we find an inconsistency, which really tells us much as to how the Masorites, and perhaps even those before them, attempted to obscure the meaning of this passage. We already see it early in the passage where they only that one time in the whole of Scripture interpret the phrase as thy hidden ones, which is not accurate. But here we see the word house is na'ah. They make it plural. But let's be clear, how many houses does Yah have in Israel? Because this is his house. Houses of God. No, house of God. There's only one, not houses. This is to make this appear to be the people of Israel, but that does not fit, especially in light of the previous passage we just covered. This is the house of God, Yahuwah. His home is the temple in Israel, not the houses of the Israelites, that is nonsense. That at one time is where his presence was literally housed, in fact. So, what are they going to do? What are these enemies? Which, by the way, they're describing other enemies that Israel defeated that Yahuwah crushed on their behalf. And he's praying, Asaf is praying, because he sees this prophetic event, and he doesn't want it to happen. But, It does happen, and we'll show you. So these enemies will attack Yah's people, the Yahudim, again, Yah's, not Jews, and will prove specifically of the southern kingdom and the temple, which is confirmed, and you'll see in the next video, by the Dead Sea Scrolls, in fact, well-recorded in history. So we have mega support for this, and you'll see. But does it say they wish to destroy the temple? No. They wish to possess it, to take it over. Now, that is very interesting and will lead us to some place. Now, we know the temple was destroyed twice. The first temple was leveled by Babylon. But they didn't possess it. They destroyed it. When they took the southern kingdom, Judea. The second, not until 70 AD, which was after Messiah, and of course he predicted that event accurately. But again, it was destroyed, not possessed. So here's what this passage is telling us. The temple was taken over or possessed before it was destroyed in 70 AD, bear in mind There is no scriptural edict from Yahuwah to build a third temple at all that will be built in order for the beast to declare he is God, and that beast will be the Messiah of those who will build it, and that will not be Yah's people. So, when was the second temple taken over and possessed? That is the question. Well, really, only during one period in history, so this really narrows it down. This is an event that already happened, because the temple must be standing in order to understand the context of this passage. So, this happened before 70 A.D., First, let's go back to the revolt of the Maccabees, which you may be aware. This is recorded pretty much in the books of Maccabees, which are not scripture, and they were not found in the library of John the Baptist at Qumran, thus not canon, according to John. And we take his word over the Catholic Church and anyone else any day. We know that history is written, or rather rewritten, oftentimes by the victors. But let's test this. In the narrative of 1 Maccabees, after Antiochus, now he is the Seleucid emperor, we'll discuss basically the Greek empire being run at that point, his portion out of Syria. He issued his decrees forbidding Jewish religious practice, a royal Jewish priest from Moda'in, now that is ding, 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 key. Moda'in is where? It's not in Judea. Come on, scholars. How could you have missed this for all of these years? It is not in Judea. It is in Samaria. We'll show you. Don't worry. It's on the maps. Mattathias the Hasmonean. Now, what is a Hasmonean? Oh, we'll show you that too. This tells us much. Though scholars will tell you, oh, Hasmonean, we don't know where it came from. Uh-uh. Spark the revolt. Now, a revolt would be in your own province. When you go into someone else's province, that changes in terminology. So that word is fraud, frankly. But we'll cover this. Against the Seleucid Empire. We have a thesis, antithesis going on here, and we will uncover that for you. Greeks of Syria, basically, will explain. By refusing to worship the Greek gods, Mattathias killed a Hellenistic Jew who stepped forward to offer a sacrifice to an idol in Mattathias' place, which is where, again, not in Judea. No tribes of Israel were there, so whomever he killed was not a tribe of Israel and impertinent. Now, he and his five sons fled to the wilderness of Judah. Oh, where might that be? Well, to Ein Gedi, the home base of the Essenes, and prior to that, the Nephilim Amorites, where many attacks were actually staged from attacking jerusalem very odd that they would have that connection isn't it oh there's a reason for that after mattathias's death about one year later in 166 bc his son judah maccabee led an army of jewish dissidents to victory over the seleucid dynasty in guerrilla warfare now today we call that terrorism but that's okay which at first was directed against Hellenized Jews, of whom there were many. I'm sure there were in Mattathias' hometown, because he didn't live in Judea. So, who were the Hellenized Jews in this narrative? Well, that's a good question. But it will become the Lost Tribes, well, or the Southern Kingdom tribes of Israel who were in Judea at the time. Who, yeah, probably did embrace yet another god yet again, which is why this is being allowed in the first place. We wouldn't argue with that. The southern kingdom was embracing Hellenism, certainly. That's fine. But who were these Maccabees? This says he was a rural Jewish priest as if he were from Judea, right? Well, that's false. And it would mean he's a Levite, right? Blatantly false. He is no Levite, has no such bloodline, period. Or he would be recorded as such, and never is, even in the book of Maccabees. Hmm. We will show you Moda'in on a map, and it's not in Judea, it's in Samaria, where the replacements of the northern kingdom lived, as that is part of of what was the northern kingdom of Israel, which no longer had lost tribes of Israel at this point, but only replacements. Just look at the newspaper clipping to the left, in fact. Maccabee the Hammer, that's his name, that's what it means, the hammer, supposedly liberates Judea, which is not his country, which was not his land in 165 B.C., And then General Allenby, for the British, conquered Palestine, which is not his land either, in 1917. Oh, and that was for the Rothschilds, who in 1917 received the deed to that land per the Balfour Declaration. They were given sole ownership of that land. From Maccabee to Allenby, gee, are we looking at two Jews here? Interesting. Can we prove that? See for yourself. Notice the word hasmonian or hashmonayim to the Romans, which is odd because ancient Hebrew doesn't have a Z, and that's a Hebrew shin, so it's an SH, not Z. But they attempt to show it phonetically. In this case, which is fine, except it obscures the actual word, which is pretty much the same as the Roman. When we look at this word in ancient Hebrew, it actually essentially is the same. Hashmonaim. Here's the funny thing, though. This word also shows up in the table of nations. Not in our modern Genesis, but it is preserved in the Greek Greek. Septuagint, written in Greek, and it's very close to this word. This is fascinating. From the Greek Brenton Septuagint, these are the sons of Ham's lineage, and Mizraim, or Mizraim, whichever you want to say, begot the Ludin of Lud, and the Nephtalim, and the Enamatim, and the Labaim, and the Patrosonim, and the Chazmonim. Now, who are they? It tells you. Whence came forth Philistine, the Philistines, who are what? Nephilim giants. And the gath which are... Well, if you look at the story of Goliath and his brothers, where were they from? They were from Gath. So, they were Gath-Thorin. Hasmodai, Ashmodai, we'll show you in a second, Asmodeus, all connect to the same origin. The origin of the Philistine Nephilim giants, in fact. Weird. Also, the origin of the word Hasmonian. It fits. Also here, gath and remember Goliath and his brothers, were from Gath, thus they were gath What we are seeing here is the origin of some of the Nephilim bloodlines which have been obscured in modern Bibles, even changing the word hasmonim, to Kalushim. If you look in the bottom right, we show the modern Genesis, in King James even. This was recorded, yes, the King James has been changed, yes. This was recorded in the Greek in 200 BC and changed in modern Bibles, which would be a small thing if it were not concealing the enemy. Hmm. You see the same with modern translations like the NIV, which are missing over 200 scriptures and many of which either attack the deity of Messiah, which is why you have whole churches out there that don't believe that he is God and he is, because the word says he is, Very clearly, he said he was, and that's really not disputable unless you change the Bible, and that's exactly what they've done. And then also, it obscures the presence of demons in some cases, even mislabels Lucifer as the morning star and the bright, and morning star is Messiah, not Lucifer, and you'll find that in those New World Order translations. So you need to be really careful with them. And go and look it up. You'll see they're missing over 200 scriptures. Just gone. Erased. Now, these are the the descendants of Ham in former Canaan. Men who are the progenitors of Nephilim bloodlines. Obviously, the ancestors are full Hamite bloodlines who intermingled with the Nephilim. And that's where we get the Philistines and Goliath's giant family. Wow. And we know who Asmodeus, or Asmodai, Ashmodai, is. He is listed in occult sources as the king of demons, king of the nine hells, or one of the jinn. But Tobit actually records him when he was alive as a physical Nephilim before he died and became a demon, because that's what a demon is, a disembodied spirit of a Nephilim. When a Nephilim dies, their spirits become demons, though you can refer to them as demons even so when they're physically alive, because they still have that same spirit. So they are demons. The Talmud even has Asmodeus, involved in the construction of Solomon's temple, as Solomon's slave, which, in fact, Solomon bans him to the area of Medai, or Media. Thus, he's named Ashmedai. But let's connect this even further. The name Ashmedai is believed to derive from Avastan language. Where's that from? Asmadiva where Asma means wrath, and Deva signifies demon. While the Deva Asma is thus Zoroastrians, that'd be from Persia, demon of wrath, and is also well attested as such, it is nonetheless likely that such a form did exist, and that the Book of Tobit's Asmodai and the Talmud's Ashmedai, reflect it. Other spelling variants include and you can see all of these different variants. But a few that really stand out here, Asmodei sounds familiar, doesn't it? Asmodi sounds really familiar. We'll show you Hazmodai. Ooh. Wow. This really is fascinating. Because it seems that there is a connection between the word Hasmonean in origin in Asmodeus or Ashmodai or however you want to say his name, which is the demon of wrath of Zoroastrianism. Imagine that. And let's go deeper. Aishma is the younger Avestan name of Zoroastrianism's demon of wrath. As a hypostatic entity, Ashma is variously interpreted interpreted as wrath, rage, and fury. His standard epithet is of the bloody mace. So not a good demon at all. A terrible demon. Trisyllabic Ashma is already attested in Gothic Abistan, so again still Persian, as Ashma. What does that look like? We'll show you the scripture. It's in the Bible. That is the God of the replacements who came into Samaria. Ah, now we're really on to something. There is a definite connection here. Though not yet, at that early stage as an entity. The word has an Indo-Iranian root, so both India and Iran in the Zoroastrian texts of the 9th and 12th centuries. Bear in mind that the Parsis, sounds a lot like Pharisees, or Farsis really is the way you pronounce it, because it's the P is a PH sound, um, who migrated from Persia into India. Understand that. So the Zoroastrians went into, migrated into India. Ashima, Appears as Middle Persian, Aishmah, Khasham, continuing in Pazand and New Persian as Khasham. Hmm, sounding really familiar. Judaism's Ashmodai, Talmudic Smadai, book of Tobit Asmodeus. Derives from Avestan Ashma, Diva. So let's get this right. Hashemah, who we will show you, is the God of those who came and replaced Israel. It's the same root as Hashem, the God of Judaism, today. Yes, and that God is actually the demon of wrath, Asmodeus. Exactly. The Bible defines this too. And the men of Babylon made Succoth-Banath, and the men of Kuth made Negar, now these are the replacements in Israel. And the men of Hamath made Hashemah, Hashem, that's Judaism, which attempts to infuse Yahuwah into their religion, which he rejects. And the Avites made Nephaz, or Nibaz, and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burnt their children in fire, to Adramalek and Anamelech, a god and goddess combination, basically. Now, that's Molech, also known as Baal, or Lord, which is his title. Baal is his title, not his name. His name is Molech. To the Samaritans, the gods of Sepharvaim. Well, Sephar, we know from other videos is a Hebrew reference in Kabbalah to the tree of life, which is the center of their false worship, because they'll never touch the tree of life. Yet they claim to. No, they don't. So, what are these guys? They are Kabbalists, Zoroastrians, and they infuse their pagan worship with Yahuwah. Ashima is Asmodeus, the god of wrath in Persia and Samaria, both. We believe he became the prince-demon when he died known as the prince of Persia, as he is known as king of demons, thus a high principality. Why do we need to know this? Because he had children, and they lived right where the Hasmoneans came from, and would in fact bear the same name of their origin. Check this out. See, the story of Asmodeus really ties the two markets together. He began in the land of Canaan and procreated children there called the Hasmonim, who fathered the Nephilim, the Philistines. He worked for Solomon in building the temple, possibly, though we do not just buy anything from the Talmud. That is part of the story that it tells. And he was then exiled by Solomon to Media. Interesting. In Tobit, he is in Media, harassing, which is Persia, basically, or Assyria in the days that the Lost Tribes were taken, He's harassing Sarah, who every time she would marry, he would kill her husbands on their wedding night. The archangel Raphael calms and assists Sarah and Tobit's son in repelling Asmodeus with the smell of an odious fish liver, showing he was not a demon yet, but a living Nephilim, because the smell repelled him. Many people try to discredit Tobit, Because they don't understand what a Nephilim is and what a demon spirit is. They're both demons. Just one is in physical form. So what exactly was Assyria doing when it captured northern Israel? 2 Kings 17. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. That's the northern kingdom, Israel. The southern kingdom is Judea, not Israel. Even though it's recorded Israel as a whole, that really is a term from before then, but okay. So you have to, every time you see Israel, determine, is this the old Israel or the split Israel where it's only referring to the ten tribes of the north? In this case, the ten tribes of the north. As he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land, that'd be northern Israel, to Assyria, unto this day. Now, what day is this? Well, some say Jeremiah wrote this. That would be 650 BC still. So, they're still in Assyria even then. Or Ezra, some say. And that would be 350 BC that they're still in Assyria. So, they haven't come back to the Northern Kingdom. And that's because they don't. Now, why? Why? They had been replaced with Assyrians, Persians, Medes, who took over the land. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha, from Ava, from Hamath, Sefervaim, which are Kabbalists, and placed them in the cities of Samaria, the northern kingdom. Instead of, note, instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So from this point, about 750 BC, the lost tribes of the north are gone from Israel and they remain gone. And we'll cover this further in uh, not the next video, but the one after that, I believe we have that charted a little better with timelines and other references in history uh, that will show you. They're still there, even up until the days of Josephus, at least. So, uh, they were not in Samaria at the time of the narrative that we're talking about, the Hasmonean era. There were no lost tribes in Samaria in those days. That's what the Bible says. If you don't want to believe the Bible, that's up to you. So, Asmodeus, who came from Canaan originally, now find his children being taken back into northern Israel, or really returning to their former land of Canaan. That's what Assyrians are doing here. They're returning some, because not everyone that they returned, or not everyone that they sent there were Nephilim, no. But they were among them. So, they returned them to Canaan, their original land, which was never theirs legally. They have no rights to any land on earth, actually. They have no right to exist because they're a manipulation of Yahuwah's creation. So the Hasmoneans, descendants of Asmodeus, were some of the replacements in northern Israel. And the ten tribes of the north were taken into Assyria, or really modern Kurdistan. It was a shuffling of populations. Are all of those who went there bloodlines of Asmodeus? No. Only those identified as his by the word or the title, Hasmonian, who even live in a town named after good old Asmodee. Check this out. The Asmodians or Hasmonians, if you will, lived in Modi'in, named after their forefather, and so are their people named Hasmonians? They are not Judeans, and it was highly inappropriate for them to enter Jerusalem with their military attacking it. We'll discuss this in much more detail. They lived in the former northern kingdom of Israel, Samaria, now controlled by Assyrians, or Persians, or Medes, whichever era you're talking about, they refer to the same. Either term is appropriate throughout history to identify the area from which they came. They are not tribes of Israel, because none of Israel returned to the northern kingdom. They were replaced by those who believed they had claim to the land, in this case even. These Hasmoneans are Hasmoneim, who fathered the Philistines, which include Nephilim, not all. Philistines are necessarily Nephilim, but they are among them. One other very odd coincidence, much of Islam especially, those from Persia, even today, Iran, are awaiting the coming of their Messiah, who is called the Mahdi. Is this not similar to Modi? Just saying. Especially when you look up the lineage of Muhammad and you find out in ancient times, he hails from an ancestor named Hashem, Ashema, Asmodeus, ouch. We're not going there in this video, but it is worth researching. Here's a map of the Hasmonean Dynasty's empire from 140 to 116 BC. Don't worry, the story doesn't end there, though, as they then marry into Herod's family and others and end up in the Roman Empire, even eventually as emperors. Yeah, we'll show you in time. And still are the ruling elite this very day. Yes, we'll prove it. We'll cover that, too. Again, notice, they came from Moda'in, from the northern kingdom of replacements, not Israelites. Samaria, not Judea. So they entered Judea, which was not their country, with their military attacking, and what do they do? Do they destroy the temple? No. They possess it, installing their Hasmonean priests in place of Levites, eventually even leading to the replacements of the high priest of the temple, the Aaronic Levite bloodlines, which they remove and replace with Hasmoneans. Think about the ramifications of that. The Bible's very clear. The high priest in the temple has to be of Aaronic, so Moses' brother Aaron, bloodline, a Levite bloodline. They had been copying the religion while infusing theirs for many centuries up in Samaria, so this is no surprise. The Dead Sea Scrolls identify the opponent of the Teacher of Righteousness, who is likely John the Baptist, and that opponent is named the Wicked Priest in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Though scholars can't seem to agree on which person this is, or whether it's several people, one thing is clear. They all seem to agree this refers to Hasmonians. So who cares which one? And likely it doesn't refer to just one. It's whichever Hasmonean is usurping the priesthood at whichever time, because they are all wicked priests. Now, that's what this says. Why? Again, they were not from Aaron and Levi, and they have no place entering the temple as priests. They're very fortunate that Yahuwah's presence was no longer in the Holy of Holies, or they would have died, according to Scripture. In fact, Aaron lost sons for that very reason, because they were not purified when they entered the Holy of Holies. These are Samaritan priests who ultimately worship Ashima, Hashem, not Yahuwah. The Habakkuk commentary is dated sometime between 120 B.C. and 111 A.D., What are they responding to in this commentary as they add? Obviously, the Hasmonean period, as they should. The Hasmonean revolt occurred 165 AD, and the Hasmoneans took over about 140 AD. This was their era that this was written. So this was responding to them usurping the high priesthood and they did not have a right to do it. There are scholars out there who are literally trying to justify this behavior, and it is completely uneducated to even think about heading in such a direction. Hasmoneans have never been proven to be Levites, certainly not of Aaronic blood. And since they didn't even live in Judea, come on, they weren't even lost tribes or tribes of Israel. Also, Have you ever wondered why there is never any mention of the Pharisees, nor even the Sadducees, in all of the Old Testament? I mean, they're not even there. So where did they come from? Well, this is because both parties came to power around the same time as the Hasmoneans or Maccabees. And the Essene era is basically the same time period. Rather odd that in addition to Hasmoneans, you now have these new, I repeat, new factions which end up opposing Messiah shortly after this. And what do they do? They have complete control of the temple. They even tried to murder Messiah in the temple or in the courtyard. So this is no joke. This is serious. The enemies of Israel inhabited the temple. They took it over, and Messiah was very clear who they were. He said much about them, and we'll cover that in the next videos as well. Here is one of the actual translations from the Habakkuk commentary. Moreover, the arrogant man seizes wealth without halting. He widens his gullet like hell and like death. He has never enough. All the nations are gathered to him, and all the people are assembled to him. Will they not all of them taunt him and jeer at him, saying, Woe to him who amasses that which is not his. How long will he load himself up with pledges? That's odd. Pledges are what? Offerings. What exactly didn't belong to the Hasmoneans? Because they are the enemy in the Dead Sea Scroll writings. There's no doubt about that. They are the wicked priests. They are the sons of darkness. And we'll cover that in more detail. The nation of Judea, nor the temple. What does Psalm 83 prophesy? That this group of enemies would attack the nation and temple. Hmm. Starting to see a match here. This is Giza Verm's interpretation. He's well known for interpreting much of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, this concerns the wicked priest, Hasmonean, who was called by the name of truth when he first arose. Now, does it actually say that? No, but that's fine. But when he ruled over Israel, his heart became proud. And he forsook God and betrayed the precepts for the sake of riches. He robbed and amassed the riches of men of violence, who rebelled against God, and he took the wealth of the peoples, heaping sinful iniquity upon himself. And he lived in the ways of abominations amidst every unclean defilement. Because of the blood of men and the violence done to the land, to the city, and all its inhabitants. This is specifying an attack. This is saying the Hasmoneans attacked Jerusalem and Judea. Does this not sound like Psalm 83? They attacked and killed Yah's people and took over the temple. Hmm. Wait till we get to the territories involved, because we're almost there. Interpreted, this concerns the wicked priest, whom God delivered into the hands of his enemies because of the iniquity committed against the teacher of righteousness. Again, this is not there. This is an extra interpretation of Giza Verms And the men of his council that he might be humbled by means of a destroying scourge, in bitterness of soul, because he had done wickedly to his elect. Woe to him who causes his neighbors to drink, who pours out his venom to make them drunk, that he may gaze upon their feasts. Did you know today, almost the entire alcohol trade worldwide is practically run by these very same ancient Hasmonians. Hmm. We'll get there. They are still doing this, and they defile Yah's feast still today as well. For one, the wrong dates in some cases. Now, interpreted by Giza this concerns the wicked priest who pursued the teacher of righteousness. To the house of exile. Wait a minute. Where might that be? Could it be in the wilderness of Judea? Hmm. In the desert? You mean John the Baptist? Hmm. Interesting thought. That he might confuse him with his venomous fury. And at the same time appointed for rest. For the day of atonement, he appeared before them to confuse them and to cause them to stumble on the day of fasting, their Sabbath of repose. So this wicked priest, Hasmonean, defiles the feasts of Yah. And again, we see this still today. So now it's time. Background pretty much set, though the next video will go into this in even more detail. And wait till we get to the war scroll, which is going to blow your hair off. Who are these territories, these enemies, which attack Israel and take control of the temple? Psalm 83.4, the moment we've been waiting for, and this is amazing, the detail here and the fact that so many have missed this for so long. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But we are in the days of increasing knowledge, and we can know these things now. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. So they wish to wipe out Israel and change its name, even or better. How about hijack it, including its identity, and hijack the temple too? Hmm. For they have consulted together with one consent. They're one force. They are confederate against thee. So they're united. And here we are. This is the list. And this tells all. We're going to map this out. We're going to show you in great detail here. You already see. The tabernacles of Edom. And the Ishmaelites of Moab. And the Hagarenes. Gebal and Ammon and Amalek. The Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher, also is joined with them. Asher is Assyria. They have hope in the children of Lot. The children of Lot are Ammon and Moab already in the list. Selah. Ladies and gentlemen, we submit to you, and we're going to prove this out thoroughly in the next eight or so videos. This is the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Yahudim and are not, but do lie. Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. They took over the nation of Israel and hijacked the name, and they took over the temple, even when in existence. And they will rebuild the third temple not Yahuwah's people. Some attempt to say this Confederate group was the Six-Day War in Israel. But one massive problem, the temple is not standing in 1967, is it? And it must be in this prophecy, because they wish to possess the temple. So no, this happened already before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed the second time. The Hasmonean Revolt was the Psalm 83 conquer, which Asaph saw and prayed against. But Judea was not right with Yahuwah, so it happened, despite his prayers, unfortunately. Now, we are going to break these down in great detail and track them through to today, even in some cases. But a general overview. Edom is Esau's descendants, who lost their birthright. So do they hate Israel? You better believe it. Amalek was actually a son of Esau, but the Amalekites were Nephilim. So you have some inbreeding going on there. The Ishmaelites, we all know the story of Abraham's first son, Ishmael, though His maid servant Hagar, Ishmael's mother, was an Egyptian, and that is why we identify the Hagarines separately from Ishmael, because otherwise the two would be synonymous, and no reason to list them twice. We will prove the Egyptians came into Israel as Essenes, as a secret society, which the word Essene is an Egyptian word of origin, which actually means secret. Imagine that. Nobody seems to go to that language and test it. Well, at least most. We will explain this in full detail. And no, they never lived in Qumran, which we prove in our original canon series. As that was the home of John the Baptist, the teacher of righteousness, we believe. Then we have the children of Lot, who are Ammon and Moab, but not from his wife, but these two sons are outcasts because they were the product of incest with his daughters, if you remember the story of Sodom. Then the Nephilim Philistines, who we also know are specifically the Hasmoneans in some cases, as well. So we already have one group fully identified, the Hasmoneans, who fathered the Philistines. This one throws many off as it says Asher or the Assyrians. But what many miss is that the Assyrians replaced northern Israel and they are now in Samaria. In this era, no longer tribes of Israel there, but Assyrians, the lost tribes, in fact, are in what was Assyria, known in modern times as Kurdistan, for one, and they aren't attacking Israel from there, especially not in those days. Then you have Tyre and Gabal which were both part of the Seleucid Empire, the Greek Empire, basically being staged from Assyria, where the power, the seat of authority was. Antiochus at that time. We hear a story of Thesis and Antithesis here. The Seleucids versus the Hasmoneans. But there's a real problem with that. Because in reality, the chaos out of that order is taking full control of Judea, the people, and possessing the temple. Just as Psalm 83 predicts. And again, Modaim is where? Not in Judea, but in Samaria. This was no revolt. Not in Judea it wasn't. It was a conquering far different from the Romans, Babylonians, or any other. This movement wanted to possess the temple and use it, and they wanted to possess the name of the Yahudim, which they call themselves Jews today. But that word is not in any logical etymology of the word Yahudim whatsoever, which in short would be Yaz not Jews, and only those not Yahs would remove his name from their own, and even remove his name, Yahuwah, almost 7,000 times in Scripture, and replace it with generic names, which in Judaism, even today, includes Hashem, Ashema, Asmodeus, the demon of wrath. You are looking at the root of the synagogue of Satan as well as the final empire, which is a mixture, as far as leadership is concerned, of Nephilim and man, just as it says in Daniel 2.43, which we cover in Gog of Magog. It's time we see this and know exactly with whom we are dealing. Can we identify these even further? Yes, we can. And by the end of the next eight or so videos, your mind is going to be blown many times over and your eyes wide open. When you see all the ties for each of these individual groups that have been right there all along, but obscured by mostly Zionist thinking, a light bulb is going to go off and then explode. In fact, in the next video, we are going to break out the War Scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls as an historic document, not as scripture, don't need it as scripture, just history, it's confirming scripture, and that's important. And other documents from the Qumran community even, which fully confirm exactly what we have found thus far. And not only that, they link the very same enemies in the very final battle, which Messiah will win once and for all. See, we all need to know who the enemy is. Back in 165 BC forward, because it is the same Yes, they've changed names and organizations and countries and empires. But it's the same. And you will know from now on. Yahuwah did not leave things to chance and maybes. He always says what he means and means what he says. And his scripture is brilliant to a degree that even after attempted manipulations such as changing the word chasmonim, in modern bibles and attempting to remove the temple from this passage twice which was done by the pharisee matters of rights or those before them and they continued the deception still that will not hinder us from knowing and understanding his word this is a good breaking point and the next video will complete the exposition of the Hasmonians, and then we will skillfully deal with the Pharisees, the Essenes, the children of Yah's enemies from Scripture, Esau, Ishmael, Lot, and the Nephilim as well, as the Seleucid role, from Syria, the Greeks. This is groundbreaking stuff, and we hope you will watch this all, and go out and test it for. Yourself. Thank you for watching our Lost Tribes series. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to click the bell or just click the next screen. Share this video with others and check out our website at thegodculture.com. Always remember to prove all things for yourself. Yahuwah bless and one final note on our coming conferences in the Philippines. On a final note, we really want to shout out to all our Patreon supporters who are supporting the coming May conferences in the Philippines, and all those who are praying. Thank you. Thus far, we have about 12 venues, and what looks to be a huge one in Manila, especially which we hope to announce soon. We have announced many of the venues at this point, and you will find them on screen Now, these are confirmed hosts, and most have confirmed venues at this point. However, we are working on more, even for the month of May, and our intention is to continue conferences in the Philippines beyond that. Again, we appreciate the support of our Patreon patrons, who are giving monthly to support this effort. And on the next screen, you can click the link to participate as well. If you feel led, it's time to take this message of Solomon's Gold series to the Filipino people first, because we firmly believe they are the ones in Scripture that are prophesied to rise up first in this generation, and rise they shall. Yahuwah bless.